0: Hello, and welcome to the Just Hands Poker Podcast. This week, the hand we'll be discussing
1: is from the same session I played last week's hand in at Maryland Live really late on a Tuesday night. The main villain in this hand, same as last week, is a fairly loose and aggressive player in his early 30s. At the time this hand is played, him and I have played a few big pots together and a few medium sized pots all within the last 30 or 40 minutes or so. While the atmosphere is still very friendly, I've been getting the best of this guy overall, winning the medium pots, and stacking this guy twice. So while he doesn't seem hugely tilted, I imagine that history will factor into the play of this hand.
0: Now keep in mind that at the time of the recording, there was a bit of a miscommunication between Zach and I. Uh, I was under the impression that Villain was, you know, your average 50-year-old... recreational grinder and in actuality uh he was in his late 20s or early 30s all right let's get to it hey jack how you doing today hey i'm doing well man how are you
1: good uh i got another hand from that maryland live session uh same villain as last week oh really uh yeah and again like within an orbit this hand happened reminder for everyone this this villain is a somewhat loose player definitely has some poker competence but is you know Limping too much, opening a little bit too much, and being a little too stubborn post-flop. So he is in middle position, and he limps, and he is about a 1,000 behind. Then we have a kind of weak, tight, uh, regular with 800 behind who limps. And then we have a guy who's fairly loose passive pre, but can be very aggressive and fluffy post-flop limps. And then I'm on the button with pocket fives, so clear raise spot. I opt to make it 40. The image that I have now, playing a lot of pots and being aggressive, I think it's rare that the main villain will fold, and I want to start floating a pot up in position with a you know perceived skill edge over the rest of these players. I also think the regular, the weak type regular, is likely to fold even after. The main villain calls, because he's not really thinking about pods. He's thinking more of, like, do I have a limping hand, and 40 is just too big. And then the guy directly to my right, uh, the loose passive, pre, and fairly aggressive post. I'm not really sure what he's going to do, but might as well build up the pod. I want to be able to get stacks in if I hit a set. Um, So I make it 40. It's folded around to the main villain, who quickly calls. The weak reg folds, and then, a little bit to my surprise, the guy right to my right folds. Mm -hmm. So... You know, I think, just before we move on to the flop, that the main villain in this hand could have a fairly wide range of limping. And I don't think he's really limp-folding against me ever. Even, like, you know, I made it 8x and he still insta-called. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of just, that whole that whole night with him just pushing my opening rage threshold because we had so many limpers and a lot of limp-calling. So, looks like I could have even gotten even more value. Yeah. Uh, so he, I think when he's limp-calling there... I mean, he could have any small pocket pair. He can have, I think, most suited connectors. And I think he could have some better suited one gappers and some offsuit broadways.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think he's ever limping like a baby suited aces?
1: Definitely. And he would definitely limp call those against me so we can add those in. And uh, earlier when I played against him, he limped Jackie offsuit in middle sure. position uh, but again, I don't think he's insta calling that.
0: Yeah. So throw in some random garbage.
1: Yeah, some percentage of random garbage that he'll insta call. But again, I just this player was just in terms of his like timing, even more so than his like physical tells, was playing fairly straightforward. So when someone does like a quick limp call like that, I'm usually inclined to think that it's at the better part of their limp limping range or limp calling range, and more weighted towards like pocket pairs and suited aces, which in his mind's like he has to call mm-hmm okay so we're seeing a flop with about 95 in the pot and the flop is seven four three with two clubs the seven and three of clubs and i do not have a club in my hand he checks what are we doing here
0: uh well, i'd bet i think you there's a lot of draws he could have with like the range that we gave him that we could get value from although I, I mean i th- I think we should bet to fold out some of his range for protection. uh I think that's probably the primary reason for betting. We'll get some value from draws. There's not a lot of worse value or you know worse hands he could have, maybe yeah, a pair of fours, maybe deuces but I still think we should bet yeah,
1: again, this is a spot where if I'm playing against like a professional or someone whose game I really respect, I'm checking back here always because I'm taking the equity and I, and I know that I, I have to, when we're this deep, I have to fold to a check raise right. uh, because I'm not going to start, you know, spewing and floating with a gut shot. Um, so it, I think it's actually a little bit closer than than a clear bet here because, well, I don't think he's check raising like super wide or check raising as much as he should in that spot, I think he's definitely likely to check-raise some percentage of the time with withdraws and then maybe some error that he'll just decide to check-raise and then shut down on future streets. Because, you know, it's a flop that he he knows likely didn't hit me. And I've been playing aggressive and, you know, I've won a huge pot off him and then, you know, two, uh, two kind of medium-sized pots, one discussed on the podcast last week. So just because I have to fold to a raise here, I'm not, I'm not necessarily in love with with betting in retrospect. I did end up betting because I just think, you know, for protection and then to get value from his draws. I think it's 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 a standard spot for me to bet against most people I encounter a two five, and only looking back in a, in retrospect, am I kind of highly considering the check just because I I think it's it's fairly likely he he would check raise to some amount on that board.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I I'm not. Based on your description, I'm not thinking that this is someone who's going to check raise very often, and I I definitely don't think it's a clear bet. I think from my reasoning, it, it you know you, it it shows that there's a, a limited amount of return on your bet, mm-hmm. you know, a small amount of value, and you know mostly just folding out a certain percentage of his range. I still like the bet against you know this player an amateur, uh, but I agree it's it's close. Yeah, and I'm, I'm inclined to still think it's
1: a bet, and it's really just a, a question of what frequency is he raising? Is he check raising as a bluff? And while I think he'll be he'll opt to do it a lot more than most recreational players on counter, it's probably still not enough to counter the value that I would get from folding out his overcards and from getting value from draws. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, like you said, pocket fours induces. I think it's unlikely he has deuces here, but he's definitely calling a bet with pocket fours. So there's one hand I can get some clear value from, but... <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And the flop was a... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Four, right?
1: I'm not getting value from pocket fours. That's a set that he's definitely check-raising.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking more like a 5-4 suited type hand, where he could have fours. Yeah. I mean, th- those are few and far between, because... Uh, yeah. You know, I We have a couple of those, sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I
1: think we yeah we have two of those, and I think we can somewhat discount the remaining combos just because of how quickly he limp-called. Like, mm-hmm. he he might end up limp-calling, but I think he'll definitely think twice, like, oh my god, might put putting 35 to likely get heads up with this guy who's just been relentless? You know,
0: there definitely yeah. will be a pause there. So probably the only, you know, ace, a, a suited ace four or two. And suited ace three, yeah. Yeah, and then deuces, and those are probably really the only hands that we're value-targeting.
1: Yeah. Okay. But I but I bet. So I bet uh sixty five and a ninety five. I also I opted to go a little bit bigger because if I think if I went like half pot or a little bit less than half
0: pot, I think it could definitely increase his bluffing frequency. Yeah. I mean with our with our goal of you know, mostly this being a protection bet, I think betting half pot would have been a mistake. Mm-hmm. So he fairly quickly called the bet,
1: so now we have 225 in the pot, and the turn is an offsuit three,
0: pairing the bottom card, and he checks. Uh, what's the play here? Well, you know, I think a lot of the, a lot of the range there that he's going to call behind fairly quickly is draws, mm-hmm. just because there's, there's more draws than pairs, Mm-hmm. That he is likely to have. I mean, you know, it also could be hands like... Well, I don't know. Do you think this is the kind of player who's limping eights? Mm, no. No? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's some one-two stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess, you know, maybe he's calling his, his four hands, ace three hands in that fashion. But I'm not positive. I mean, I think he will call. Uh, I also think
1: depending on the sizing, like let's say he does have a club draw, if I bet you know three quarters pot, I think he'll definitely be capable of folding there because uh you know the bottom card pairing and me kind of oh, showing strength, yeah on the turn.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree, uh, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. No. So, so you're saying that as a reason for betting? Yeah. It, it, no, so I, what mm-hmm. I think I'm getting to is is that I think another bet here is is probably good, just because there's a lot of draws. I know, I mean, the getting check raised here is pretty gross, mm-hmm. but I just don't see us getting a lot more value in this hand. And so we can either, you know, it's it's not a terrible idea to check and try and get a cheap showdown. I think that's actually a decent line, but I'm inclined to think that. Putting out another, maybe a half pot bet. Uh, try to fold out some of the bluffs, or some of the yeah some of the draws. Maybe get value from a couple of stronger draws, and then try and have a cheap showdown is better than just trying to check behind for two streets.
1: Yeah, I, I think against most straightforward players, it's definitely a bet but i actually opted to check it back to try to get value from his missed draws so my reasoning was that if he gets to the river with a club draw he's a 100% betting when i check the turn and because there's only one card to come you know he's not likely to hit that draw and if he's bluffing near 100% and you know being really unbalanced there then i think it's a kind of a clear check back and then call a lot of river bets situation because he just has mm-hmm. so many more draws in his range than like value hands, because he's not the player who's going to be check calling a set there. You know, he he knows that like he wants to build a pot, and that I can have overpairs there, and so I don't think he's really slow playing anything on the flop. So with, with that read, I think that uh, it's going to be more profitable to check and call a lot of rivers.
0: Okay, I do like that line. You know, so if you think you're you think he's turning a hundred percent. Of his mistrust into into bluffs. Or near 100%, and
1: I don't think he's turning the ones with pairs into a bluff. Like, if he somehow had, like, if a... He pairs the river. Yeah, what? if he pairs the river, you know, it would be kind of shitty. But, like, let's say the river is, like, a queen, and he had, like, a queen-jack of clubs. You know, it would yeah, go... I mean,
0: sh- yeah. You know, worst case, he has two overcards. I mean, that's that's a pretty likely worst case. Mm-hmm. Uh Then he's got, you know... There's a 12% chance he's going to draw out on you in that way. Exactly, yeah. So, But that's fine, you know. If if, yeah. if, if he's
1: bluffing with the frequency that I think he is, it, I think it becomes that, that becomes the most profitable line against this player. And again, we don't think he's capable of doing much check-raising on the flop or the turn. But again, this guy, you know, seemed pretty comfortable. Is playing fairly loose. And I think as the night goes on, kind of random spazzy things like that go up, and especially after I've been winning all these pots against him. So,
0: mm-hmm. well, with your I mean, with your read, I, I definitely can't argue with your line. Uh, mm-hmm. If if everything you said is true, then you're you're 100 correct. So, from your, from your player description, I, I wouldn't have given him as much credit I think as you do. But but I I obviously default to you because you were playing with him. Yeah the, the the thing I haven't
1: mentioned yet about this player in the last podcast or this one is that I saw someone that. I don't think is necessarily a pro, but like looked like a rag, like come up to him and they were like shooting the shit and they talked about a hand. Uh, mm-hmm. I couldn't really overhear everything, but it's like, you know, this guy is someone who like thinks about the game and okay. he's, and he's a younger guy. He's maybe like oh, so yeah. 30 something. So those, those are important details. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, I opt to check back I definitely think about it. You know, I probably take 30 or 40 seconds because I think, I think it is somewhat close. But I'm also I'm I'm never acting really quickly, you know, so I don't think it shows that much. So I check back. Again we got two twenty five two twenty-five in the pot. The river is an offsuit ten, and he bets eighty-five.
0: You call, right?
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, the r- r- river's pretty pretty straightforward. And I call like instantly and he turns over pocket deuces. Which mm-hmm. was really interesting, uh just because it's just an interesting way to play that hand, you know. I think he calls on the floppy as he, you know, thinks he's good a lot. And then when I check back, the turn realizes that he should probably bet. And when I call quickly, he's like, "Come on, man! Like small, small bets are the scariest." <laughs> 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 so you know, again, all all these things and playing with him more, like he definitely is somewhat of a thinking player, you know. Like he he knew yeah. he knew that that would kind of scare me, or sorry, he I mean he thought, he it, thought it, <laughs> like yeah.
0: Yeah. You know? Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, if he's, you know, if he's also turning, you know, deuces into a bluff there, which I, I think is a good play against a lot of opponents. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, then I definitely like the hand is played. Mm hmm. All right. Another oh, good man. hand, Zach. Thanks, man. Thanks again for listening. Remember, you can always send us your own hand histories or check out other great content uh, at our website, justhandspoker.com. To keep up to date with everything we're doing, remember to check us out on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Our handle is just hands poker. All right, we'll see you again next Tuesday.